In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Mary, Queen of all hearts. Saint Louis Marie de Montfort. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Context is important, and in particular, today as we celebrate the life and the mission of Father de Montfort, the particular context of doing so at a shrine is not insignificant. Because shrines and pilgrimage occupy a very significant place in Father de Montfort's own life, mission, and ministry. It's a largely neglected area when people speak about him, and yet one can't understand his preaching or his mission without putting on the table the decisive impact that pilgrimage has for Father de Montfort. Pilgrimage is a word that is largely misunderstood today, and in particular here in the United States where on Thanksgiving we celebrate the pilgrims, but disconnect it from the idea of pilgrimage as a spiritual journey. They're just the folks who ate turkey with the Indians on the first Thanksgiving. Um, and, and so what happens is we think of pilgrimage in a lesser way than how the church really understands it. And when we do that, we really cut ourselves off from something absolutely vital. In fact, the idea and the image of a pilgrim church, the people of God as a pilgrim people, is absolutely fundamental to how the church understands itself. So let's just begin there. Because a pilgrimage is not a trip. A pilgrimage is not merely a visit to a spiritual place either. It's something much more substantial than that. It's often the case, for example, today that folks will talk about going on pilgrimage, whether it's to Lourdes or whether it's to a place like this. And it's a common experience. People will carpool and come out together or rent a bus and travel by bus to the place. And the experience is a curious one because there's the boarding of the bus, there's the meeting in the parking lot, we all drive sort of together. There may or may not be a prayer that initiates the movement. There may or may not be some prayers said on the bus on the way there. Then there is the arrival at the destination and sometimes the groups are organized and have a program that they go through together and sometimes there is something of a dispersal as people arrive. But each one goes their own way and other than the fact that we've accidentally traveled together on the same bus and even prayed the rosary together, there isn't much that one could point to as a unity of intention 
Rather, what we have are a group of personal intentions all together and traveling. And that's not horrible, but note the difference. And it's often the case, though, at the end of the day, let's be honest, that the trip back home is much less prayerful than the trip there. As if the pilgrimage ends when I leave the shrine. But that's really not how the church has practiced pilgrimage across the centuries. And so again, being at a shrine, it's worth just unpacking this a little bit because it does connect very directly to the fundamental spiritual experiences of Father de Montfort. Pilgrimages, especially group pilgrimages, were often organized and put together so that there is a common intention among the members of the group in addition to whatever personal intentions they have. Note the difference there all of a sudden. Because then the group of people that is going on pilgrimage is also praying together about something or for something. It is not simply that we're all going to go together to the same place, which is good for all of us. It is that. But our movement together is more intentional than simply sharing the ride. And the act of the journey is as important as the prayer that is said at the place. So the prayer of pilgrimage begins with the movement toward the holy place. And so note, the journey itself is a prayer. The journey itself, the movement itself, has an aspect of prayerfulness about it. In our modern age, that's really easy to lose. Um, just simply from the standpoint of how easy it is to turn on the radio while we're driving. And even if it's Catholic radio, um, you know, sometimes even the spiritual content that we try to nourish ourselves with can be a distraction from the focused prayer that's implied in a pilgrimage. And so this movement, and again, in an earlier time before there were motor vehicles, a pilgrimage was a journey that could take days. And again, this is something different from our modern experience of passing through airports, of getting on a plane, of going to baggage claim, of boarding a bus and suffering through that long drive of two or three hours. Um, when in an earlier time, the body moved differently and it felt the length of the journey in a very different way. And just understand that for a moment, because it's one thing to go someplace by car. It's another thing to have to walk there. And if we've walked any number of miles, at some point, the walking and the rhythm of the breathing and the moving and the feeling of the distance and the soreness in the feet and the tiredness in the limbs but that whole sense of being in movement toward. Note the difference. On a bus or in a car, I don't necessarily 
feel the movement that way. I don't feel myself as moving, because the vehicle moves. And uh, so in an earlier time, again, our language of pilgrimage is embodied language in a real way, because it comes out of the experience of people moving in their bodies to travel. And with the hardships and the danger that that implies. And so a pilgrimage was rarely, if ever, an easy thing to do. And it was something that had to be planned. It was something that one had to be careful about. And there was a reason why people would move in groups, because that was also safer. It didn't simply protect them from the dangers of the road. It allowed them to support one another, should one be weak along the way. And then on the way, as part of the movement, it wasn't simply a matter of crossing the distance. It was crossing the distance with the spiritual point of the journey in mind. And note the difference where if I am going to a place where I am going to pray, I'm going to a place known for the availability of grace to those who visit. Note the difference in how I'm going to arrive if I've been moving there over a couple days, physically preoccupied with the reason for going there, versus it's only taken me a couple hours and we got there. Just note the difference in the preparation. That, and so the idea is the journey is part of the prayer because it is that prayerful opening of the life to be ready for the grace that waits for me at the place to which I go. And then there is the arrival at the location and the whole point of the arrival is the prayer. The prayer that I've come to say. The resting in the place that I've come to do. You know? as opposed to, let's go to the snack bar first. Let's hit the gift shop, um, which, which are all natural things that we do, but again, note the disconnect. Note the disconnect. And the importance of, I've been moving to come to this place to say this prayer. How important that prayer becomes and how powerful that prayer becomes, precisely because of that movement which prepares me for it. But that is not where the pilgrimage ends, because the journey back home, which likewise, in an earlier age, could take several days, was still part of the prayer. And so the pilgrimage isn't over until one gets back home. And so note, then there is the encounter with grace at the holy place. And one rises from that encounter, <coughs> refreshed physically, refreshed spiritually, to move prayerfully back home with a similar discipline to what one had moving toward the place. And why? Because otherwise, we receive grace at the shrine and we leave it behind before we even step foot off the property. Um, 
And so note that that allows the grace of the visit to begin rooting itself, that I who have come will leave changed, and the change will penetrate me on my way home. You know, what a, what a remarkably powerful idea that is. And note, though, that home then is different, even if it's the same physical location, because I arrive different. And this image of a pilgrim people, in no small measure for the church then, is just as pilgrims going to a shrine pass along the ways of the world for the sake of arriving at a destination which is not worldly. Know what it says about the church as a pilgrim people. We are moving with a purpose. We are moving together with a shared goal and a shared intention. However particular our own individual needs might be, there is something that we have in common as we move together. And that moving together requires a certain discipline, a certain prayerfulness, a certain focus. And even though it involves a movement along and through the pathways of this world, it is not a movement to those things. It is not a movement determined by those things because it is a movement toward eternity itself, which is our true home. It's a marvelous, marvelous understanding of the church. Now coming back then to St. Louis de Montfort, because pilgrimage forms a significant part of his life, as I said. In fact, when he was a seminarian, before he was ordained, he was every year from the seminary of San Sulpice, two seminarians were chosen out of the several. Two were chosen every year to make a pilgrimage on foot to the great cathedral of Chartres and pray before an image of Our Lady on behalf of the seminary and its instructors, all of those about to be ordained, and the other seminarians. And so one year during his studies, young Louis Grignon, the seminarian, was one of the two chosen to make that pilgrimage. And so even as he is journeying, moving toward the spiritual goal of his ordination, note what's involved. There's a point at which he physically moves on foot with a companion, prayerfully, to a place where the two of them will pray. And for whatever personal graces they're going to ask, in addition to that, they are praying for an intention that was given to them, something that they held in common. And that both of those young men, after their time at Chartres was over, rose from that prayer and prayerfully moved back to the seminary to continue their studies and their movement toward ordination but also changed and enriched by what happened at Chartres. Note how wonderful that is. And it's, it's a simple element, but this idea of being on the move in search of the Lord is fundamental to the life of Louis de Montfort. In fact, when he went 
left home to enter the seminary, he went on foot. And so he traveled from his hometown on foot to Paris, not in a coach. And that movement on foot began orienting him. I am on the move in search of something. I am on the move toward something, in fact, toward someone. And just as the Lord said, follow me, I am seeking to follow him and not just with good intentions in my mind. In fact, my body is moving in a way that concretizes my spiritual desire to follow, meaning to move after and along with the Lord. Father de Montfort, when he was at the seminary, feels the tug in his heart to become a preacher. And he is at great pains to prepare himself for this. From what he read to the notes that he took and kept, but he also did something else, something that we don't hear people talk about too much these days. Father de Montfort made pilgrimages seeking the grace to be a good preacher. You know, sometimes we make the mistake of thinking preaching is a matter of study and oratorical ability. When he understood that to truly win souls to truly touch and move hearts according to the gospel, there is more than earthly talent that is necessary to do that. That's a grace that must be sought. And so in addition to all of his other work, he would move. Again, note how wonderful this is. He literally would get up and move and make a pilgrimage. And there were times he would drag his friends along with him with the intention of, when we get there, you are going to pray that I become a half-decent preacher. <coughs> um, because he also understood more than his own prayer would be required. And so he moved, he who desired to move hearts for Christ, first moved himself. And just imagine that. A young priest moving to a place like this. And he's coming not simply to take a day of recollection and refreshment for himself. He's coming to seek a grace like that, to more devoutly and more authentically celebrate the liturgy, to preach and proclaim the sacred truths in a way that is truly effective for the people of God, to seek those kinds of graces. And Father de Montfort, who understood that he is called to be a preacher, understood that feeling called isn't enough, that if this is what the Lord wants me to do, I have to let the Lord prepare me. I have to let the Lord shape me. And I do that by surrendering to him spiritually, and I begin moving my life, even physically, in that direction. And that's the power that pilgrimage really held for Father de Montfort. 
was as he would make these spiritual journeys, one of the things that's happening is he's literally also saying, if not, if, even if he doesn't realize it thematically every single time, that my life is moving this way, that I personally am moving this way. You have called me to be a preacher. I am moving toward that. I am moving into that. And again, what a marvelous, you know, you called me to be a priest. I am moving to that quite literally by walking there. Um, and so it is that this becomes a pattern for him. Time and again across his ministry, he'll call people with whom he has been working to whom he has been preaching, and he will organize them into groups to go on pilgrimage, sometimes with him, sometimes without him. And he would give them a rule, a set of instructions to follow on the way there and on the way back. And he'd give them an intention. Um, and, you know, it would be for the outcome of a mission. It would be for the grace of winning souls. It would be for vocations to his foundations. But note this idea that it's not enough for me just to get on my knees in my room and beg for grace. I have to move toward the grace. And pilgrimage in a real way, in a very real way, is a movement toward the grace we seek. And it's a movement into the mystery that we want to celebrate. And that physical movement of the body, whether it's by riding in a vehicle, whether it is by walking, is important because it takes me from where I was and note the beautiful symbolism, and I need to go someplace else. And that's how grace moves us too. It takes us from where we are to where we need to be. So Father de Montfort was preoccupied with this, so much so that one of the most decisive moments in his life was an extended moment that lasted for several months. Because in the year 1706, he's a priest for six years. He's been frustrated. Everything, every beginning he's made, however promising it seems, has come up short or ambiguous. He's had tension with other clergy. His own spiritual director has now turned his back on him. He's wondering if he's been properly following the call of God, and yet he feels it with such tremendous strength that he says, I need to move again. And so he made the decision to go to Rome on pilgrimage, on foot, from France. Now, we do know that at one point he did take a boat. We, we, have, we have his signature on the list. <coughs> But for the most part, he walked the whole way, fasting and praying. And so again, it wasn't just, I'm going to go and ask the Holy Father's opinion. If that's what he was going to do, the fasting wouldn't be necessary. All the prayer wouldn't be necessary. And so note, he is going to Rome. He wants to see if he can get an audience with the Holy Father and ask his advice and direction. But there's something more here than that. He is not simply going to hear someone's opinion. 
And so as he moves, he is fasting because he's preparing himself for that moment. He's also preparing himself to receive whatever grace it is that is waiting for him. And so his entire movement is not just how do I cross the distance. Rather, the crossing of the distance is a prayer. And he understands it very much as a pilgrimage. It is a sacred journey. And so as he arrives in Rome and he sees the holy city, his heart swells. He finds lodging in a house of the Jesuits who are always very good to him. And from there, after some time, he is enabled to participate in an audience with the Holy Father, Pope Clement. And in their encounter, he pours out his heart to the Holy Father, his sense of vocational vigor, his sense of mission, his desire to go to the poor and make our Lord and Our Lady known to them, and the difficulties he's been facing. And he places himself at the service of the Holy Father, saying, you know, if you want to send me east into Asia, I'm your guy. If you want to send me west to the new world, I'm your guy. I will go. And there's part of him that wants that. And the Holy Father simply looked at him and said, no, Father, you're not that guy. You've got a big enough mission field for you in France. And so go back there. Go back home. And do everything in obedience to the bishops, but you go and you proclaim these truths and you do that. And on the one hand, on the one hand, one could say, Father Montresold, just go back and keep doing what you're doing. But that's not exactly what it was. This now is the church officially commissioning him, missionary apostolic, and your mission now. There's no doubt about it anymore. This is your mission. You go and you do it. And so here he receives his full sense of mission as a result of a pilgrimage he makes. And again, note how beautiful that is. Because here we see, while a private sense of calling is not unimportant, it's never the fully decisive thing. And so he makes a pilgrimage to the very heart of the church. And there, the church confirms his mission. And here he receives it, not as a matter of what I've discerned personally, not as a matter of what I'm really feeling strongly about, but as the church is now sending me. And he receives that mission, and he has to walk back home. And so again, he doesn't leave Rome saying, okay, I'm good, I'm done. Let me hurry back there and get started. The journey back to France where he will begin anew this mission is a journey marked by fasting and a journey marked by prayer. 
so that when he gets back to France, this mission that he has received has taken root in him. And he who has made pilgrimages to preach in a way that wins hearts will be able to truly begin preaching in a way that wins hearts. Note how decisive that is. And again, what underwrites it? What, what does it sit on? It sits on a pilgrimage. And how the journey back to France was just as important as the journey from France to Rome. And that's the part of this tale that people forget. Everybody likes to point out the encounter with the Holy Father and how decisive that was. But the walk back from Rome to France was as important as the walking from France to Rome. Because that's where this encounter with the Holy Father began to really root itself in him. So that he could step forward in the strength of that to preach. Now, having said all of that, note the cluster of lessons it has for a place like this, which is a shrine and therefore, by definition, a place of pilgrimage. You know, and uh, it's easy to lose sight of some of this, um, in part because of the way things work in the modern world, in part because of how distracted any of us, including those of us who staff the shrine, can be on any given day. And yet that importance of there always being an element of intentionality about what we do. Um, a shrine exists for a reason. And a big part of that reason is to be a place that people can choose to come to. And it's one of the different things about a shrine as opposed to, say, a parish where on any given Sunday, okay, now, okay, full disclosure for some of you guys, you're here because this is, that's what you do on Sunday. But isn't it remarkable how on any given Sunday here, there are all those others who don't live nearby who have made a decision to come here. And whatever that decision might be, and it might be as basic as, you know, it's a nice sunny day, let's go to Mass at the Shrine. Fine. But there are others who come, and even if they can't identify the need or the intention, know that there's a tug that they need to respond to, and they need to move in accordance with it. But the real issue is not simply what do people experience here. As important, the issue becomes, how do people go away from here? Um, what do people take with them back? And that's, the, that's the, the essence of a place like this. It's easy to note the gathering. It's easy to note the arriving. But what the example of Father de Montfort shows us is that there's an element of life always being on the move, and the movement doesn't stop when you get to the shrine. Rather, what happens at the shrine now is the movement is adjusted. And then one has to move out of that experience back into the other elements of one's life. And now having said all of that, 
If you consider that this man made pilgrimage such a significant part of his own life, notice how different his ministry begins to look. Because what would he do? He would travel on foot to a diocese where he is invited to minister. And so again, note, he has an invitation, he has a welcome, and he walks there like a pilgrimage. It's slow, it's intentional, and he is on the move to those people to whom he will be preaching. He is on the move to that place where he will do his ministry. Just like who is Jesus, he moves from heaven to earth to save us. And who likewise across Israel walked. And how did the apostles go around the world to begin spreading the gospel? They walked. Note this image of a people and a mission that moves, that quite literally, physically moves. Our modern age, with its emphasis on electronic media and other things, often loses this. And it's not that those things are bad. But note how vital the physicality is in all of this. And how that physicality orients a person, shapes and expresses a life in a certain way. And then when he's in a diocese, what does Father de Montfort do? He journeys on foot to that parish, that location where he'll be preaching, and he stays there with those people until the mission is over, which could be several weeks. You know, in some areas, you know how long a Lenten mission lasted? Lent. Um, and so note, a mission could be anywhere, four, five, six, seven weeks. And when the mission is over, where does he go? To the next parish, on foot. But note this, this, this idea of, I am on the move toward you. I am on the move in union with my mission. And we see on some level how this pattern is in very real way the continuation of that walk back from Rome. It's one of the reasons we have to understand that it's just as important as the walk to Rome. Because in no small measure, all of this preaching that happens afterwards is his continuing that walk back from Rome, where he is going to those who need salvation. <clears throat> he is going to those who need to hear the word of God. What a remarkable idea that is. Um, that there's something about him that is precisely because he is a missionary. He is a pilgrim as well. And on some levels, precisely because he has been a pilgrim, he is a missionary who will be on the move. It's, uh, it's a marvelously powerful element of his, uh, of his own life. In fact, during his visit to Rome, he did make a side pilgrimage. He went to the Holy House of Loreto. 
and made it a point to linger there for a while and to pray there. Um, and so again, that journey to Rome was not merely going to seek advice. There is, it is very much a spiritual series of movements. And that's very beautiful, especially at a place like this. And we see then why for the Montfortian tradition, having a shrine and managing a shrine is, is a very important thing because it allows us to begin helping others to root this very vital element of our founder's life and spirituality in themselves so that we can likewise learn to do these things. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.